This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. As the financial industry anxiously awaits the release of new online authentication guidance from the FFIEC, experts speculate about what steps banks and credit unions should be taking now to prepare. What impact will changes to existing online authentication guidance have on financial institutions and their customers? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Julie McNelly, a banking and payments financial fraud analyst with ITA Group, an industry consulting firm. You've reviewed the pending updates the FFIEC has released when it relates to online authentication guidance. There are five areas of compliance that are noted in the pending guidance. Layered security, multi-factor authentication, the need for greater awareness among customers and employees, better risk assessments, and stronger authentication as it relates to, for instance, device identification and challenge questions. I'd like to go through each of those one by one if we could and see what advice you could offer financial institutions as they're reviewing this guidance. What should they be doing to prepare and comply with some of these standards? So let's take the first one, layered security. What can institutions be doing now as they're reviewing this pending guidance where layered security is concerned? Well, the the layered security recommendation is really in recognition of the fact that any one-point solution has proven to have a workaround from the fraudster's perspective. So if you're just deploying device identification, there's a number of things that, a number of attack vectors that uh, the, the fraudsters can use to get around that and to breach the perimeter. So the layered authentication guidance is really making sure that you have a number of different layers of security, a number of different different approaches to the security to make sure that you're not relying overly heavily on any one particular mitigation technique. And then what about multi-factor authentication? We've talked a lot about that in the industry lately, and I guess the reason is just because a lot of institutions have not been complying with the need for additional layers of authentication. What should they be doing when they think about multi-factor? Well, in the wake of the 2005 guidance where basically the, the FFIC said single password and, uh, and username is not enough, you need to do more and it needs to be risk-based, that left a lot of room for interpretation. So in consumer applications, a lot of FIs went out and said, okay, we'll do device printing and geolocation and we're done. You know, we've, we've now got two-factor authentication, so we're complying with the FFIEC guidance. And at that time, online fraud was not that big of a, an issue for financial institutions. So it really was more of a compliance play than a loss avoidance play. Um, the, the landscape has changed considerably since then. And so you can't be just looking at deploying two different types of authentication, you know, say, username, password, and device authentication, and saying that that's enough because, as we've seen, those single-point solutions are susceptible to breach, and you really do need to have a number of different approaches, a number of different, again, the layers of security to uh, to, to address the, the online threats. And then what about this notion of education and customer awareness? What role do institutions play there when it comes to educating their commercial customers as well as consumers? Well, it's a very different approach to educating consumers versus the commercial customers. Obviously, you have an exponential number more consumers than you do uh, than you do commercial customers. 
a number of institutions that uh, I've been talking to have periodic webinars that they push out to their commercial customers. Um, you know, they, they have them so that they can fulfill various professional credits that the uh, corporate treasury managers and what have you need to need to receive. And, and they push out the uh, the fraud and security message that way, as well as through a number of other just more direct communications. Yeah, just like the uh, just like with the fraud prevention, the, the the education has to be multi-layered because people have a lot of information coming at them every day in their jobs. Um, they don't read everything that comes to them, and so you need to come at them with a number of different media mechanisms. You need to repeat the message so that consumers and businesses truly understand the risks out there. Um, yeah, the mobile platform is going to be increasingly a great uh, channel for financial institutions, but it, it is also one that is fraught with increasing perils that uh, consumers and businesses just have no concept of. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard the App Store referred to as the greatest malware distribution platform ever invented because people go out there and willy-nilly download things having no idea what their provenance are, and you know, that, that's a great way to, to distribute malware, you know, as we've seen with uh, some of the apps that have been pulled back from the App Stores in the recent months. So it, back to my original point, it needs to be a multi-layered communication mechanism, and uh, you need to really go about educating consumers and businesses without scaring them away from platforms that are very you know, strategic mechanisms for, for the banks. And then what about the need for better or more frequent risk assessments? That was a key part in that the preliminary draft of the guidance that we that was released back in December. Um, and in, in that draft, the FFIC made the point that a number of institutions deployed something to comply with the 2005 guidance and haven't really gone back and revisited it since. And so in this draft guidance, they were really emphasizing the need to have a periodic review, just like you do with any of your other compliance programs like AML, um, so that you can make sure that your risk mechanisms are keeping up with the latest attack vectors. And then the final point that I wanted to ask about as it relates to these five areas that were noted in the, the pending guidance, what about stronger authentication? And I'm talking about authentication that relates to device identification and challenge questions. Um, in, the, in the guidance, they provided a listing of a number of the leading technologies in this space, and it spanned everything from device identification to challenge questions to uh, behavior analytics. And I thought this was actually a, a pretty useful section of the guidance. It, it was definitely an improvement over the uh, very nonspecific guidance that came out in 2005. And it really highlighted some of the some of the best practices that are that are in play, and kind of gave institutions a bit of a roadmap towards what types of technologies they should consider as they are deploying a layered security mechanism. Um, and we've been talking to financial institutions quite a bit about this lately, and we're actually going to be re releasing a report later in June that kind of ranks the effectiveness of all of these technologies from financial institutions' perspectives. Um, and the good news is that in the guidance, the, uh, the FFIC did touch on many of the, the leading approaches in this, in this space. Now, when I step back and think about these five recommendations, one of the most difficult ones, I think, relates to customer education. How do you reach customers to educate them about threats and encourage them to conduct their own risk assessments more often? 
Well, you know that that is a great point, and it's it's actually funny. I, I received a communication from my bank not too long ago that uh, was an email communication. It was a uh, it was a marketing message, but it had the verbiage in there saying, "If you are concerned about the authenticity of this message, click here." So that really underscores the the complexity of educating consumers in particular about this because. Yeah, if somebody is concerned about the authenticity of that message, the last thing they should be doing is clicking on the message itself. So it really does need to be something that goes at it from a multimedia approach, um, you know, educating via TV commercials, educating via PR, educating via email, but don't encourage your consumers to click here to learn more because that's sending a completely mixed message. And that's a good point that you raise. And a lot of institutions I know have historically relied on communication via email. And so that is something that moving forward, it's a different way of thinking about education. Exactly. But what about from your view, Julie? You look at these five recommendations. Which do you deem to be the most difficult or challenging for institutions to comply with? Well, in my opinion, it's, it shouldn't be a compliance question at all at this point because we've seen that you know, the attack vectors are multiplying, the, the numbers of attacks are multiplying. There was a study by Panda Security that was released uh, in the last couple months that was saying that 76,000 new malware threats are being released every day. So institutions shouldn't be waiting for this guidance before deploying a layered security approach to combating the threat because it represents a risk to them from a reputation risk perspective as well as a financial loss perspective on the consumer side, and it represents a risk to their customers. And so I don't see it as much as uh, what is going to present the most difficult problem in this FFIEC guidance. Yeah, I think the lack of guidance right now is the biggest problem, and institutions should be moving forward ahead of the guidance. And so even if some of these seem challenging, they need to be doing this just to protect themselves, their consumers, and their commercial customers. Exactly. Now, Julie, some banking institutions have suggested that they have so many things to focus on. We talk about Dodd-Frank, of course, the Durbin Amendment. When we talk about the FFIC guidance, um, they have some concerns, but because this guidance is still pending, they say that they have other things they might focus on until the guidance becomes official. What do you say to that? What advice could you offer to an institution that's taking that perspective? Well, I think it depends on who you're talking to in the institution. I think if you are coming at it from a compliance perspective, um, yeah, those folks are completely overwhelmed right now. They have, uh, I think, 243 new regulations coming at them over the period of a year. Um, But if you're looking at it from a fraud prevention perspective, um, consolidating your channel, making it a, a safe experience for your customer base, um, this this really should surface to the top because because the threat vectors are multiplying and it's uh, it's something that uh, needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. And finally, Julie, before we close, can you tell us in a nutshell, from your perspective, what should institutions be doing now to prepare for this FFIEC guidance? What advisable steps can you suggest that they take? Well, I think the preliminary guidance provided a good, pretty good roadmap from a compliance perspective. A lot of the larger institutions that I have spoken with aren't waiting. Um, they, they are moving forward pretty aggressively, and a lot of them already have the layered approach in, in, in place. Um, I, I would say that the uh, 
all institutions should be taking that approach and developing multi-pronged platforms, not just from a um, fraud mitigation technology perspective, but also really looking at their education programs and, and figuring out how to make them more effective in, in making consumers and businesses aware of the threats, um, particularly as the mobile channel becomes a more strategic asset and more high-risk transactions are pushed to the mobile channel because while we institutions aren't taking a lot of losses on the mobile channel today, and actually the FFIT guidance um, had a pretty glaring omission by not even mentioning mobile in the preliminary guidance, uh, mobile will be a new frontier for a lot of institutions, and they should be taking a similar approach to both online and mobile as they're looking at these issues. And that's something that we've talked about, the absence of mobile in the FFIEC guidance. But as you've noted, um, a lot of it just comes back to how consumers, the mechanisms that they're using to access this online channel. So institutions that are concerned about mobile, I guess the advice at this point would be just to focus on the same things that you're doing for the online channel to protect it, multi-factor authentication, um, device identification, those types of things. Yeah, you can't use all of the same technologies. Um, you know, for example, mobile has a fluid IP, so some of the uh, some of the IP-based technologies are, are a little bit more challenging on the mobile platform. But taking the same layered approach to your fraud mitigation, um, and you know, taking a the same approach from a consumer education perspective. Um, you know, institutions deployed a pretty effective education campaign around phishing a few years ago, and really made consumers more aware of the perils around phishing, um, they, they need to take the same approach with the perils of mobile and just, you know, again, use a balanced approach. Don't scare consumers completely away from the channel or businesses because businesses are also increasingly exhibiting interest in mobile banking. But make sure that uh, somebody knows that, you know, if, if you're downloading an app from the App Store from, you know, a little mom-and-pop developer that you have no idea who they are, you know, you need to also deploy some spy, anti-spyware and uh, take some precautions before you engage in higher-risk transactions. Julie, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Julie McNelly of ITE. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kay. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.bankinfosecurity.com.